0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash impact.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Take Cast. My name is Davis Matic. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Matic. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my good buddy, Pat Mayo, or maybe rather I joined him. This is another one of our cross-promotional shows between the PME, the Pat Mayo Experience, and the Take Cast. As always, just got together to kind of chat about whatever is on our mind. Theoretically, it was to talk about a lot of the incoming rookies in the NFL, but we touched on... You know, every single topic that uh, that pretty much came to our mind over about two hours. Absolutely love talking to Pat. Hope that you guys enjoy the show. If you want more content like this, you can subscribe to the TakeCast Patreon. We have bonus shows every single week. I'll be joined by Brian Hooper this week over on the TakeCast feed, so I hope that you guys enjoy that. You can sign up to that with a link in the description to this program, or if you want to support the show, In other ways, you can just tell a friend about listening to the program or leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the show.
2: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings. Jumping around today and across... Promotional show as we do from time to time with myself and Davis Maddox, take cast where we're going to be talking about the NFL and God knows what happens after that. I'm going to try to time code the show properly so you can jump around and I don't even know what the hell we're going to talk about, but NFL for sure. And then who knows, maybe some live. I have some live questions for Davis as it pertains to the stakes of owning one of these live franchises because I've been seeing that on on Twitter this morning and I'm going to release the show right away so it's you know, it'll be fresh topics to go at Davis you started a newsletter I love the name
1: you know you know this newsletter I I, I gotta give him credit uh Soccer Dave came up with the name for this newsletter like 11 years ago when I was still in college and we owned, uh, owned and operated a fantasy website called fantasyinsiders.com. And then it was on Roto Grinders for a while. And then I stopped doing contract work and started working for Sports Grid. And so it's been in hibernation for a while. And now it's back.
2: Do you think you would ever start a gardening newsletter that was called Automatic Flowers?
1: No, but it, the name translates to anything, right? You could just make it. You could just automatic anything, right? It just uh, you, it it could translate. I mean, in my in my uh, deepest uh, desires and fantasies, I would love to do like uh, a a Huberman esque uh, newsletter about like lifting weights and like biohacking and type shit. But maybe that's that's like a different lifetime for me.
2: What's biohacking?
1: Oh, I mean, you know, like doing ketosis or like getting really into like supplements and, and shit like that, just like changing, uh, changing, uh, changing is probably not the right word. Just like all the different interactions and ways that you can try to make yourself feel different or better basically is it's, it's a whole, I mean, that's a billion dollar industry these days.
2: Yeah. But it's, it's really weird because there's all these different concepts that come up. Like I know Paul did the keto for a while. I tried it for like three days and I was like, nah, this isn't for me. Shockingly enough. Sure. I've found that I feel the best when I get at least seven hours of sleep don't smoke or drink and like exercise every day
1: that's really it I, it's it's shocking <laughs> I mean really I would say 90 percent of all of the health and fitness industry comes down to people in the modern Western world have a horrible sleep diet they get too much blue light late at night they're not tired they're they're restless when they go to bed and they don't end up getting. Eight hours of quality sleep and then everything else just cascades down from that. If you're if you're not getting seven, eight hours of quality sleep, your life is just gonna be like measurably worse.
2: Well, I listened to Pete and he was talking about getting the cold plunge pool. I think it was on with you when he was yeah. on Take Cast Last. Now, I've been doing the, uh, the the cryotherapy. It's great. But like I have no idea. Yeah, it- I have no idea if it's a complete placebo or not. I know I feel like good when I come out of it, but I expect to feel good when I come out of it. So maybe if I just brought that like mentality into anything, I would feel good after doing it.
1: I mean, I think there is a little bit of the placebo effect to everything, but it's not even it's not really the placebo effect because what it is is it's changing the levels of dopamine and serotonin in your brain. That that is not placebo at all. That is an actual chemical reaction. The argument would be it's not actually the cryotherapy that's doing it to you. It's your brain's response to being like I'm doing something good for myself and good for my body that I enjoy. So I'm getting a dopamine hit from that. Um, I do, I do the, uh, I do the cold plunges and the saunas and stuff. And again, I mean, I'm not going to say, uh, obviously I am not a, uh, you know, a PhD scientist and, but I, I have done a lot of reading about it. I well, and, well, put it this way.
2: You, there's only one, one PhD allowed on the Pat Mayo experience for any one given year. And you, sir, are not Tim Andercust.
1: No, no, it's it's not me. Uh the, the the data the data basically says that the sauna has more measurable benefits than the cold plunge. My my take on the cold plunge and the cryotherapy is that doing hard things is good for our brain chemistry. That would be that's my that like just doing shit that's hard is is good for you.
2: Well, the cold plunges are hard. Cryotherapy is not hard at all. They give you mittens, they give you boots because you know if because it gets so cold, it's like, you know, minus 150 degrees Celsius, something crazy like that, that like your extremities will actually get frostbite once you're like sprayed with nitrogen or whatever the hell it is but the rest of your body can take it for like three minutes, whatever you're in there for three minutes. And like the moment you start to like really feel cold, it's time to get out. I will say it, it has helped with like, my hip has been awful. I think it was from like playing yep. golf full-time last year. It's only my right hip that it does decrease the inflammation. or At least my hip doesn't hurt anymore for like 20 minutes when I get out.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is, that is, uh, I've never, I've never done the cryotherapy, therapy, but like cold, like extreme cold is going to be really good for limiting inflammation in general. So it would, it would make sense that your body would feel way better. Now, I mean, some people, like if you're like a, you know, a bodybuilder or like trying to get huge muscles, you actually don't want to limit inflation. So, or inflammation. So you, it's just depending on like what your, what your goals are. See, this is the type of shit I would, I be that we, that could have been, that could have been a, an 800 word newsletter right there. And it would have been, you know, that's my, that's the dream.
2: You just build your own empire. I mean, we were talking pre-show about, you know, you need to become a millionaire, so you need to own something. And, like, really, the only way to do that is to own something. You could have your whole entire automatic newsletter series. Like, you have your football stuff. You could have your gardening stuff, like I mentioned. You could have your, your hack, automatic hack, something like that. Just the, the automatic empire is where you need to be going, I think.
1: Yeah, I got to look. I mean, it's embarrassing, dude. I'm 30 years old, I'm not a millionaire. You know, we got to we got to we got to keep grinding, Pat, because that is that's obviously the uh the eventual goal. You're right. You got to own something though. I mean, that is probably the best advice in the history of either of our programs is that if you want to be really rich, you got to own something. You're you're never going to be a millionaire just working.
2: It's true. I mean, I was basically destitute until I started and owned Mayo Media Network and now I'm a billionaire, so it's it's pretty easy. Just own something.
1: See, I mean, and that could be your, your, like a whole thing. I mean, you already work like eighteen hours a day, but but doing like uh some sort of, I mean, you could you could write like an entrepreneurial book, you know, that would just be straight up passive income for you. I, I, although I guess the fact that you can't read probably limits your ability to write a book. I I didn't think about that.
2: It's true, but you know, I I've managed to be a professional writer for the past fifteen years despite not being able to read. So maybe I can just like fake it like I've been doing the entire time anyway.
1: I'm look I would buy the book I would uh I would support it I mean you could I'm, you could even find a ghostwriter I mean uh Jonathan bales did this back in the day when fantasy contracting was more of a lucrative I, business he i would i saw I, I, I remember put his I, name
2: I remember this he would like uh, he would uh third party out articles he was contracted to do and just like take the rate yep. from it like edit it or something like that
1: yeah, basically it'd be like he gets paid a hundred dollars a piece, he would pay someone fifty dollars to write it and and just skim that fifty dollars off the top. Brilliant business model. You could effectively do the same thing.
2: Couldn't we just get like chat GPT? Although I tried to get ChatGPT to write my column this week for golf, and like yeah, it was a nice base to work off of, but like it it probably took me more time to go back and edit what it wrote than just me writing it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not a chat GPT expert yet i've not i've uh, not ponied up for the advanced subscription maybe that's maybe that's uh coming soon but i mean the people who are good at it like uh peter has messed around with it a lot and he's pretty good at it like he's good at giving it the right prompts he's good at knowing what he wants to get out of it i mean obviously i think that's a real skill but i there there was just a report yesterday that um uh one of these one of these big tech companies is on a freezing hire because they think these uh, like 7,000 positions that they were going to create can just be done by chat GPT. So it's uh that, that's all coming, you know, the, being, being aware of and being able to positively interact with AI and, and get it to give you what you need is going to be like a real, real skill.
2: I, I tried to get one to write in the voice of me and it just started up. Hey, what up Mayo nation? I was like, Oh no.
1: <laughs> Mayo nation. <laughs> Mayo nation. Yeah, I, so I, <laughs> Well, so i think that uh i so the the version that's out right now is like chat gpt 4 um i think that there's probably like another iteration i my understanding is that the the crawl that the machine learning of like where it's at in terms of the date it's not like 100% up to date you know tuesday may 2nd wednesday may 3rd like it 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 lags behind a little bit so it's probably More difficult for like daily fantasy stuff. If you were like, okay, give me, give me the best picks for the Wells Fargo open. It probably is not quite there yet. But again, I'm not, I'm not a chat GPT expert. I don't, again, do not have a PhD in in chat GPT yet.
2: It sounds like you really need to work on getting some PhDs, pal.
1: I got to get, I got to get to school, man. I got to, I got to like, we, you, if you're not a PhD in something by the age of, if you're not, if you don't have a PhD and you're not a millionaire by 30, like what have you spent the first 30 years on, on this planet doing, you know, just dicking around basically.
2: Well, I put in, get Pat Mayo to ask Davis Maddock a question about fantasy football, because I assume that's why some people clicked on this video. I apologize, but as an AI language model, I cannot directly contact individuals. All right. I guess I need to work on my prompting skills. I, I do remember that being a thing. And I, I actually talked to two of my engineering friends. because I was just away on vacation for like two and a half weeks. And we were talking about AI prompts that becoming a good AI prompt writer is going to be like, that's something if people do want to, if, if you got nothing going on and you're me from 15 years ago and all you do is like live in your parents' basement and smoke weed all day, you can get better and potentially set yourself up for a lucrative job if you got good at ai prompt writing.
1: I mean, I would probably say that's like the number 1 thing I would tell someone who is like in college or in high school and doesn't really know what they want to do, I would say just yeah, get get really good at very specific prompting and question asking to any sort of open ai model because company i companies are already hiring for that, you know, like six-figure six-figure salaried positions of just basically being like uh, you know, ChatGPT figured this out, and and you know, programmers and coders are like ninety percent doing their work in ChatGPT these days
2: because they're good at actually asking it questions, unlike me, where I can't get a like real answer out of it.
1: No, I don't even I don't even think these people are you know above like internet literacy average at ChatGPT. It's just that ChatGPT can do all this complex coding for you automatically because that's like the easiest thing for an AI model to learn. To my understanding is that basically anything that you would need to learn in these coding languages, ChatGPT already knows. And if you know the end result that you're looking for, ChatGPT can just give it to you. Again, to my understanding, I'm sure there's someone yelling at their phone right now, like, actually, sir, that's not how it works.
2: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because, like, I visited my brother uh, when I was away. I stopped in with him for a night, and he was working on this new project, and he is basically a coder. He's built websites, built, like, programs for scanning medical equipment to put in hospitals, things like that. And he was like, this is, like, he started using, like, I don't think it was ChatGPT, but it was some sort of AI prompt to do all of his coding. He's like, I thought this was going to be, like, a four-week job, and, like, I'm done today. Like, it's it's over
1: because yeah. i think if you because i think if you understand the programming language and understand what you're needing what your end goal in the back end is I, obviously i don't think it can do the entire thing for you but i think again there's like a manual process to coding where you have to like go in and type everything and get it how you want and ChatGPT can just give you that framework more or less automatically
2: well i've been working with a company now they want to start Something in like the vein of like what Odds Checker has going on or whatever, you know, all all the aggregation sites, basically the the great SEO sites uh, that have affiliate deals linked through them. And I was like, how long till like, because it does cost even to get like a 300 word article posted on the web on somewhere like that. Like they do pay pretty well for those. Uh, and I'm actually shocked at how much they pay. I guess they must be like raking in affiliate money because their SEO is so good. But even like Action Network would be some something along a similar vein where, hey, who are the picks this week for week two NFL? You click on it, it's like, hey, here are the five best prop plays. And underneath the prop, it's like, here's what it here's the odds at uh, at DraftKings and here's the odds at whatever. And if you click through it, that site gets like five hundred bucks in like perpetuity as long as that person ends up becoming a like high end player all of the time or just has money in the site or is active. I don't exactly know how it works. But I was thinking like how soon until we can get these AI models to write the previews for these sites. And then it's just a printing press. Like you, your overhead would be like 2% of your revenue.
1: I mean, very soon, right? Like extremely soon people are and sports are probably the best application for it because people largely are not tuning in or or reading or searching for sports writing, sports betting, sport, you know, DFS picks, whatever. They don't really care about the artistry, they don't really care about the language. They they just more or less want the picks. They want the information. Like the information is more important than the 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 language basically. So that feels like it's coming extremely soon. Like I I within the next year for sure. There will be, there will be a way to do that. And jobs are gonna start being replaced by AI in that specific field, like extremely soon, I would imagine.
2: Well, that's another good reason to own something rather be than be the person who does the writing at the moment. It sucks though. I guess podcasting has and videos have really replaced sort of the longer form articles. And when people do go yeah. search something, it's simply to what are the picks? What's the information? That's all I wanna know. But I remember when I started the reason that I was able to build up a following because I was writing these like 8,000 word NFL columns that were like in the Matthew Barry style basically or the Bill Simmons style like they were some sort of personal essay for 1,500 words then a little bit about whatever's going on in football that week and how it pertains to betting or fantasy and then you have picks and then you have something else and it all kind of relates back to football in some sort of way but it would take like 18 hours to write, I'd be up all night doing it. It would probably take like 20 minutes to read. Like literally no one wants that anymore.
1: No one wants that. But I mean, one of the things I am very, uh, I I don't ever think that AI, well, I I would hesitate to say never because eventually my guess is, is it's a long time until AI is able to generate, um, you know, artistic level fiction, movie scripts, Uh, and, and, you know, for example, the things we do, you know, podcast TV type stuff, like I don't, people to a certain degree want a human connection. Like the podcast I listen to, and I assume the same is true for you. Like you like the hosts, you like their, you like their manner, you like the, you know, their sense of humor, whatever it might be. And to me, like, um, there are going to be some jobs, obviously in entertainment that get replaced or supplemented by AI, but it feels like extremely human industries like that are probably more insulated from AI than... You know, manual labor and, and, uh, you know, copywriting and things like that.
2: Well, yeah, co- copywriting and just sort of the generic rinse repeat formulaic type writing that we sure. see a lot, like, especially in our industry right now, that I think a lot of those jobs are going to go away once the AI can, like you said, it's, you know, I just prompted it to, you know, tell me who won the 2023 NFL draft. They're like, we do not compute. What is that? So that's a right. problem when, especially when you're trying to oh, do, do this, sports this every day. This will be a
1: good. <laughs> This is a good topic for you. People are, people are uh, a big thing that people on the internet are up in arms for is that Chad GPT is too woke that, <laughs> that uh, it doesn't, it doesn't let you, it doesn't let you be mean to people. It won't compare people. Uh, you know, you ask it questions about like men versus women and it won't, it won't take a stance. Like, uh, like basically people are uh, the, the, a very, a very vocal minority of, of people who are too online are basically like Chad GPT is useless because it's too woke.
2: I mean, I I don't know how to respond to that. I guess I'm like chat GPT in that way. Like, isn't it just supposed to present information for you? Like, do you want it doing predictive analysis and doing analysis in that sort of way? Like, do I want to, just to throw that out for a second, do I want to say like, hey, give me a player profile breakdown an analysis of will anderson i don't know anything about will anderson here's what i want to know like it can give me facts about will anderson but do i really want this ai programming like i mean it'll probably do a better job of me than analyzing like his game film but is i think that comes back to the personal the personalized thing that you were talking about that we still need experts to do that kind of thing
1: right i mean the the like, obviously, a lot of these people are just, like, uh, right-wing online grifters, which, by the way, speaking of being a millionaire, if if I, if I someone out there was asking, what is the quickest way to become a millionaire? Like, do I want to become a millionaire in a month? I would say easiest job has got to be right-wing grifter, like start, like, a sub stack or whatever. Like, that is, I was talking about this with Kevin Cole when he left PFF and started a sub stack. I was like, dude, you could, like, literally... Be have a top 100 sub stack like overnight, like you could just it would just be so easy to make money. Um, just like getting people mad about Chat GPT being woke. Great example.
2: It, it's funny though that there's such a market for like being a right wing grifter, yet being a left wing grifter seems to be not profitable whatsoever.
1: There are like a couple people who do it who are like, uh, you know, um, what is it, the the Krassenstein bros? Is that their name? I, really I, I think, I think they do it it was more it was more popular obviously when trump was in office because you could just get you could just get people mad about anything right or or there was this big genre of people who would tweet things like i'm hearing donald trump will be arrested or or whatever you know and and that would you know drive people to their substack or their youtuber or whatever but yeah there's definitely less money in left wing grifting although i don't i there are certainly left wing grifters out there, but it's just not as profitable of a space. I well, think you're right. Well,
2: I think it's not as profitable a space because I think that your extreme left-wing peoples don't have any money.
1: Well, I mean, the, I like,
2: like the disposable income, or, or
1: are less likely to spend it. But yeah, you're I probably know. Right. See, see, I don't. Although,
2: I, I, I don't think it's a less likely to spend it kind of thing. Because I think if you're polarized either way, you're just going to continue to feed the hand of whatever like you really, really agree with, and you need to be in on that. And I mean, it, it, a grift's a grift. People are going to be taken by a grift, but it does seem like sure. the, like on one side, like people actually have like money to spend.
1: Well, the the right wing grifters would tell you that you're wrong because actually the entire world is run by shadowy <laughs> left wing oligarchs, you know, uh, George Soros and, and all these people that actually all the wealth is concentrated in these woke, com- you know, Disney is part of the, of the left wing conspiracy. There are all these big corporations are actually part of the woke left wing um, conspiracy. Yeah. So no, no, you know, no, it, depends, no more, it depends on who you're trying to grift.
2: No more woke left wing individual than Bob Iger for sure. Or Walt Disney. Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, famously, Disney, a very woke, left-wing corporation, um, according to these people, or, or just Walt Disney himself, right? Exactly. Yeah, he he famously had very liberal, very left-wing opinions, according <laughs> according to uh, the sources. Well, I mean,
2: see, you you already you already have the template for your new Substack. This is what you got to go in on.
1: I, I mean I've said this for a long time that if I ever really get hard up I would just go all in on being a right wing grifter because it feels like the formula is so easy I just it feels like you could immediately generate 10 figures a month if you really applied yourself. See, uh, I to, I, to think you, I think I think you're making
2: I think you're making it out to be much easier than it actually is because a lot of people are trying to do this and only so many people hit at doing it. So Wait, okay, so, so I, I think I think like, like the right, I think you're right. Like the grifting space right now, regardless of the, your political leaning is no different than like the It's fantasy. a
1: golden age for grifting.
2: Sure, but it's also the golden age of like fantasy content and gambling
1: content. Right. But not
2: everyone who does gambling content makes money.
1: Okay, that's true. I I guess maybe I should say I think I would be really good at it because I have terminally online brain and I un, like I think I understand what gets people jazzed up right i i think like i think i would be able to generate uh like i think i would be an expert at getting people mad online
2: you know what gets people really mad online the nfl draft and especially nfl, oh, NFL yes. draft grades I I, yes. I I don't understand the nfl draft and the fascination with it of like i i do the mock draft that's fun i like to learn about the guys and where they might go but like even the fantasy content that relates around the NFL draft before the draft actually happens, like it doesn't fucking make any sense to me.
1: I feel like it's. Uh, I feel like this is one of the few examples of a gap between you as a Canadian and us as Americans. Um, I I don't ever remember a time not being excited about the NFL draft not thinking the NFL draft was an event Uh, not thinking the NFL draft was a cool thing
2: that that's not what I'm saying I like the NFL draft I like to watch the NFL draft I like to see where the players end up going or hey maybe this guy will go to this team that seems like a pretty good fit but like that's the extent of it for me like why are people doing rookie dynasty rankings before players are on teams that doesn't make any sense to me
1: I'm in a I'm in a couple drafts a uh, couple why? dynasty leagues when we do our drafts. Why? Why are, Okay, the fr- NFL first draft. off,
2: why are you in a couple dynasty leagues? How much fucking time do you have on your hands?
1: Uh, Pat, I'm in like 19 dynasty leagues. Why? You, I like it. It's, are, are, it's, are you like the,
2: are the old school fantasy expert who there used to be like a collection? There was only so many fantasy experts around, and there were so, only so sure. many experts leagues that you could be in. So uh, everyone would just play in like 50 fan, like expert leagues. And then, you know, some people would drop out of one, some people would drop out of another, and everyone would get their industry league win. You could say, oh, I'm an industry champion. Is it kind of like the same thing? You'd be like, hey, I won like three dynasty leagues last year out of 300.
1: Honestly, I think I did like five or six of them in that, that COVID summer where we were all locked down and we had nothing to do that. That was definitely part of it. And then all the rest of them, you know, I've just kind of picked up through the years. I think I've only ever left one. I left an FFPC one where I, uh, was just like this team is so bad and it's not very much money and I'll just let someone else take it and whatever it's fine but I it's like uh it's like why do I play video games you know there's not really any point in playing video games I just like I it's fun for me I enjoy it
2: but you're so you're playing video games and you're in 19 dynasty leagues and you're doing content
1: uh yeah yeah that's uh that's I don't I don't not as much video games these days uh, to to be to be 100% honest not not as much time for it in the schedule these days
2: anyway i always bring this up because we did the mock draft i did it with thor and ray two guys whose opinions i highly respect that's why i always bring them on because they they know a lot about this and just like people get very triggered if like we're just it's not it's not real like a mock draft is not the real draft and people seem to have a really tough time separating that like just Uh, the the general
1: interview draft streets are rough
2: Like, the general interactions that I get online are actually quite good, I would say, compared to, like, 99% of people. Like, you know, I put out golf picks, we'll argue back and forth about golf, everyone's, like, kind of nice about it, even with football, when it comes down to it, even if I say especially egregious things, but... It's all inside, like, the gambling space or the fantasy space, whatever it might be. Like, mock drafting is, like, a totally different thing. And, like, I'm starting to, like, once I released the mock draft, I didn't even make any of the fucking picks. It was them who made them, you know, but it gets attached to me because it's on my show. But, like, the fans of these teams are fucking insane. Like, who are these people? Like, what do they do in their day-to-day lives that allows them to be able to afford the internet? Because it doesn't seem like they could hold down a real job.
1: I mean this is like this is like one of the secret things you learn when you uh you know mix into the real NFL fan base is that there are just a lot of like staggeringly stupid uh non well adjusted people out there just like living in the world you know like you don't know like that guy could be the guy who uh you know fix, like change the oil on your car or or the guy who gives you your coffee at Starbucks or whatever like that guy could be someone who's like getting mad about his team getting mocked a player in the first round that he thinks sucks. And and that's the other. So the other really funny thing about these mock drafts that people get so mad about is that these people don't know these players at all. You know, do you think people know how good or bad like Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia is, they have no idea, but they just get so riled up. It's like truly unbelievable.
2: Well, it was, I mean, I, you can kind of see it in real time. My only real bridge to this is Cust because Cust, he was talking himself into this guy he had never heard of two minutes after the Jets picked him in the first round. He'd never heard of the guy. Who the hell did they pick? What was his name? McDonald. McDonald. Yeah, Will McDonald. A... Was that his name? Yeah. Yeah, Will yeah, McDonald Will Mag- the, from yeah. Iowa State. Yeah, so now all of a sudden it's like, he's like, oh, I like that he's the fourth. Like, that. that's like a big feather in this guy's cap. Cuss is talking himself into it. It's like, who cares? Like, to see if he's good or not. They're going to play the games.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's all, it's all just an exercise. I mean, we were just talking about tribalism with right wing grifting. It's, it's the same part of your brain that's getting accessed with your football team. It's, it's no, it's no different. It's my team is good. Anything they do is good. It's all going to work out. And if you think my team isn't going to work out or you give my team a bad grade in the draft, it means that you're bad and wrong and stupid.
2: So I, I have more respect now for people that do like actual NFL analysis, just th- th- the mouth breathers that they must end up going in with. And I mean,
1: no, I, I think I think that is a I think that's a mistake because I think it's it, like real NFL analysis, quote unquote, is like largely a there's no skin in that game. Right. Like you can just say anything about real NFL analysis because you there's no you're not tying it to a result you're not tying it to uh, like a specific outcome. It, there's no skin in the game.
2: Well, maybe that's why I was more drawn to fantasy and gambling over this sort of thing when I first started to get in, because I felt like I didn't have the expertise in order to be like an actual football evaluator. Like you can see what you see, you know what you know, but I'm not going to understand it on the same level as you know guys a coach or whatever. But it's funny that I think that I can do the same sure. thing. Like when you look at what the Texans did and giving up all that draft capital for Will Anderson, like I'm not a GM, but I. I do understand how value works when it comes to these sorts of things that's where i wanted to start like what the fuck are the texans doing do they think they're going to be good next year
1: they're just biting dude that's it's like I, I i think the texans have become um you know there there have been other laughable organizations the jets were one of them for a while the lions were one of them for a while i think the jets are the new uh the browns were one of them for like 20 years i i think the i think the houston texans are our new these people have no idea what they're doing organization effectively. Like that Will Anderson trade. I mean, they very well could have just traded away the pick that becomes Caleb Williams. Like it's it's so so bad this trade they made for Will A. Anderson. I don't I don't think people realize right now just how terrible it is.
2: I think you have to understand how terrible it is because they're a terrible team. What they need to do is replenish everything. Like, even, it's funny how it works out. Like, for the capital that they gave up to get Will Anderson, and we said this during, like, real time on the show when I was doing it with Jeff and Tim, that he kind of needs to be a Hall of Fame player to justify giving up that much. But, I don't even, but, but, even, if, I don't but even, hold think on, it. hold on. Even if he is a Hall of Fame player, it probably won't make an impact to the Texans yep. overall being good like i'll probably be on another team by that point
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it does like literally we we have an example of this jj watt was like the best defensive player in the nfl for what like six years probably like he was just like on i kind of until aaron donald took that mantle from him and it did not make an iota of difference to the texans they were either terrible or a a wild card playoff loss exit every single year and they had you know what uh he was like you know getting like 16 sacks he was just he was playing like every snap of every game and it just it did not matter in any way shape or form uh and i and people bristle against this by the way this is one of the things i've i've found that people hate the most about the nfl now is that really nothing about the other 52 players on your roster matters if you are you know b b minus or worse at quarterback you are completely disqualified from winning anything that matters. And people hate that idea in, in a, a team game. They they just really do, they really bristle at the idea that because you don't have Patrick Mahomes, like, it just is not, nothing matters really, like, you know, well, and people I, hate that. I, I would push
2: back on that, but I think that 90% of the time that you're right about it, I think what we've seen San Francisco do over the past few years, and obviously they didn't win the Super Bowl, but... If Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt against the Eagles, I don't know if they beat Philadelphia, but it's like a real game. He was out there throwing like left-handed because that's all they had left to go on. That if he can just play that game, maybe the result is a little bit different. And then we're talking about this a little bit differently if San Francisco built from the trenches out where they have all of these excellent skill position players. They have an excellent D line, an excellent O line. They went out and they get a running back who, who don't matter whatsoever. They have a good secondary. Just the only like weak part of their team is their quarterback. And it's not like he's a shit quarterback, but he's like, you
1: know, sure p- playing but like the 49ers playing like the 49ers but, are, are the counter. Sure.
2: They are the counter, but we see these sorts of teams like the, the bronco Peyton Manning Super Bowl champions. Like, you're going to see these teams that are just constructed as 52 guys and a quarterback who's just there. Like, the Dilfer Ravens.
1: I mean, I think that's very much, uh... uh like, I, I would imagine that probably the, the, what, 2017 Eagles will be one of the last teams that ever win, sort of, in that style. Because teams now, like, if you look at... um like a uh, pass rate over expected over the last 10 years, like last year teams, it was the highest peak ever teams are teams are just throwing the ball so much now that if you don't, and, and if you like, if you don't excel at that, I, I don't know. And, and the 49ers are the counter, but they're a counter in a, a way that does not apply to the Houston Texans at all, because they also have a genius coach. And I mean, they have like all world players at all these positions and, and, The Texans are not that, right? The Texans have zero all-world, you know, I mean, they'll have zero players make the all-pro teams this upcoming year.
2: Well, that's sort of the reason why the trade stinks so much for them because in order to to do that build, like, yes, having Will Anderson for everything that I can gather that he's going to be very good, that's great and everything, but you kind of need, like, if he's an A it doesn't makes it it's not going to help you all that much that if you have four guys on the defensive line you have this one a plus player and four guys that are three other guys that are c minuses you kind of need like four b four three b's and an a plus like that's the san francisco model of doing this like you put nick bosa in the center and but surround him with also other very good players that if it's just will anderson i just don't know what that does for you
1: no i mean i think i think it's one of the worst trades I I mean, I can't, I I guess like all the really bad NFL trades came before I was like, even aware, like the Ricky Williams trade happened when I was in middle school, the Herschel Walker trade happened before I was born. Um, These are like, but we like the, the, honestly, I think it's worse because now it's 2023 and we have such a better understanding of what leads to winning and how important draft picks are and how important that cost controlled labor is like. Not only did the Texans give away all that draft value, but they also gave up three picks that were going to be guys on rookie contracts that they're going to have to fill in with guys on vet contracts. It's just, it's really, it's terrible, man. I, 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 if I was a Texans fan, I would be, I would be punching air. Like it's so bad.
2: And it's funny because Arizona seemed like they had, cause Kevin Cole was on with me and we were talking about who has the worst roster in the NFL. And I was like, I kind of think it's the Cardinals like just with their lack of depth, they're no good. They're only like true elite skill position players. Deandre Hopkins, who now looks like he's going to go back, but he's old and Kyler Murray's hurt. and may not really be all that good anyway, but this trade kind of shores up a lot for them into like they're doing what the Texans should be doing.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the, the the Cardinals, by the way, I mean, they could be in a fascinating position at this time next year because Cardinals are drawing pretty live to get the number one overall pick next year, one one way or the other, right? Either, either from their own pick or this pick they just got from the Texans. And if they do have that number one overall pick, like they're gonna be, you know, maybe Kyler comes back in week 12 and 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 with a new coach who's not Cliff Kingsbury, he looks like a world beater and maybe they decide to go ahead with him. Or what do you do what do you do if Kyler you know has complications you decide he's not the guy he's owed 260 million dollars like what what is Kyler Murray's trade value like I don't know it it becomes it becomes a fascinating exercise for them next off season I think
2: well they've already they already ended up taking Murray when everyone said that they weren't going to take Murray because they had uh, chosen Rosen already selected in the first right. round from the year previous but this does create an interesting path like I don't know you probably wouldn't want if Kyler let's say Kyler comes back and he's no good and they do want to move on, they end up with the number one pick, and they do identify Caleb Williams. And listen, we're still 12 months out from the next NFL draft that maybe it won't be Williams, who is the number one pick. Like he, this happened to Matt Leinart. He went back to USC, and all of a sudden he was the fifth pick instead of the first pick, which he would have been had he have come out the year previous. Uh, not that he could come out, but a lot can change in a year based on how we, like, who's the, who's the receiver the Patriots got in, like, the sixth round? Like, wasn't he super highly ranked on everyone's draft board before the year, now he just fell?
1: Uh, well, there were, uh, the, the big guy, the big guy who was that guy this year is Kayshawn Booty, who got drafted by, yeah, who got drafted by the Patriots in the sixth round. He was like two years ago or three years ago, he was the number one overall high school recruit and he had a really good sophomore season at LSU and then he got hurt and there's like behavioral stuff, but yeah, like he cost himself a bunch of money by, not being able to come out, basically.
2: But because you have this, these salary cap implications tied to each of the draft slots, not that you're not going to end up paying the number one pick a lot of money. It's obviously going to be a, a large portion of your cap. But you could feasibly, if you couldn't get, like, maybe someone would trade for Kyler Murray and you just get cents on the dollar for whatever it is, if you could shed some of the money that goes towards your salary cap. But if you did draft a quarterback at number one, could you feasibly have both of them on your roster even if Kyler Murray was the backup if you couldn't get rid of them? Or would it be better just to cut them and take the dead cap?
1: I mean, I'd have to look into the specifics of Kyler Murray's contract, but that becomes it becomes pretty onerous to hold uh two guys at the same position and you can only play one of them. Oh, I under, uh, I so understand example- that,
2: but if you wanted to move on anyway and you're like, hey, we've identified Caleb Williams as Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck or one of those type of number 1 overall picks like, oh, that's that's a guy and he's going to be amazing. If we don't get him, our franchise is not going to be good in 10 years. And they only come around once, what, every 4 years, 5 years, whatever it might be. But it does seem like that's the buzz around Caleb Williams right now. Maybe that's not going to be the case in 12 months' time, like I said. But you can't pass that up, I don't think, if you're any
1: sort of franchise and you try to figure out the rest later. So Kyler Murray, if they cut him after next season, so in 2024, it's $81 million of dead cap. So I think they would probably just try and trade him for anything they could get. Right, if they decide to if they decide to go, and his cap hit is absolutely gigantic. He's got a fifty one million dollar cap hit next season. So I I think they would they would hundred percent have to trade him. I don't even know if you could because the I think the first overall pick gets here Let's 20 see. it's 20 I
2: can, I can... or something like that 17 year one or so something? so
1: you're wrapping up your are ra- it's like roughly 75 million dollars which is about 50 percent of your cap on on your two court i i just don't i don't think it can, i don't think it works so i think they would have to just if they do decide to do that they would have to trade him for like a fourth rounder or something
2: it, it, even if, I mean, I don't know if teams would want to inherit that contract, would be the thing. Like, would it be worth it for any of these teams if he didn't do a massive restructuring? And then why would he want well, to? Well,
1: aren't the Jets going to be looking for a quarterback after next season?
2: No, Aaron Rodgers is going to be there for five years. Don't worry about him. And listen, <laughs> hey, Cuss has assured me that uh, Zach Wilson uh, is going to learn so much from Rodgers. He might as well just lock up his fifth year option right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there are, there are multiple teams who by next offseason, um, could be could be selling themselves on Kyler murray i think the steelers could be selling themselves on him i think the falcons could be selling themselves on him um i mean the commanders obviously need a quarterback the saints need a quarterback biggest biggest one to me is what do the bears end up deciding to do with fields if he has another season where he scores a bunch of fantasy points but they don't win any games uh, like, do you want to pick up his—do you want to extend him? Do you want to pick up his fifth-year option? Or do you want to move in a different direction? Like, I, there there are at least five teams I could name off the top of my head who would have the cap space and, and would be someone interested in making that move for him. The
2: Fields thing is really interesting, because I'm already going to take an L on what I thought the Bears should do, because I think what what ended up happening is kind of best-case scenario for him— only because I was tinkering around like I don't listen by my evaluation I don't think the Justin Fields is going to be all that good I don't think the Bears are going to be all that good and now you're going to get into a situation where you have to pick up his fifth year option then you have to sign him to one of these mega extensions that happens to all of these young quarterbacks and do you really want to tie yourself to another six years of Justin Fields if he's not the guy but I think this is a nice year for him to be able to prove that I'm not saying that he can't do it maybe he will and just shove it in my face but you know, they did end up with the number one overall pick but I thought that if they could get anything four fields that then they could use the number one pick on a quarterback and rectify that situation reset the rookie contract clock at quarterback and try to build out from there because it's not like they're going to be one year all of a sudden like hey we're really really good now it doesn't seem like they what they went out they got dj Moore, they signed donta foreman and they signed two linebackers like great you're not going to be awesome even in a weaker nfc north however What actually ended up happening, because it didn't seem like any of these quarterbacks were like true game-changer type quarterbacks, that if Caleb Williams is, and Justin Fields does stink this year, the Bears have Carolina's first pick, so if Bryce Young's not good, then Carolina could... Theoretically, have the number one overall pick next year, which would be the Bears, or the Bears themselves could have the number one overall pick again next year. Not likely, but there's a percentage chance that this could happen, that all of a sudden you now get the better quarterback, reset everything again, and now your outlook actually looks really good for the future.
1: I mean, there are a lot of different ways it could break good for the Bears. They also, I mean, they actually have, uh, like, NFL wide receivers on their roster now in a way that they did not last season. You know, uh, Equinemius St. Brown and Dante Pettis were, like, running a bunch of routes for them. Um, they got him a tackle. So, like, maybe uh, Justin, Fields, Justin Fields has the worst percentage of his dropbacks turning into sacks of any – First or second year quarterback in NFL history. No one has been worse in the history of the league at taking sacks than him. So I think we're gonna find out this year, like how much of that is on him, how much of that is on the offensive line. I mean, my guess is a huge percentage of it is on him. They what they could what could really happen is they could really nut out and Fields could play well enough that other teams are interested in him but not so good that they want to give him the mega extension. They get the number one pick by hooker by Kirk or even the number two pick, you know, because Drake may the university of North Carolina quarterback is also supposed to be quite, quite good. I've got less strong opinions on him than I do on Caleb Williams and they could find themselves in a spot where they can actually trade Justin Fields as a positive value instead of having to treat him like a salary dump or a guy they have to get off the roster and end up, you know, just like making out like absolute bandits. Like it, it, if the Bears are good, if their front office is good, they they can like really make some hay in the next 18 months.
2: It does seem like they're in a much better position than I thought. I mean, I thought they were going to be kind of going into the draft and with the way that everything shook out, it's like, okay, this makes some sense here. I can see a path for the future. Where I saw that for the Texans as well, and didn't see it for the Cardinals, and they basically just swapped roles. Of okay, I can see it for the Cardinals now. In three years' time, they could have a really strong roster. Where it's now going to be exceptionally difficult for the Texans to do that. I know because they gave up their first-round pick. Correct, not the Browns' first-round pick next year. Yes, That's there
1: crazy. was there was conf- there was yeah there was <laughs> there was confusion in the initial reporting where people thought it was the Browns' pick, but it is it is the Houston Texans' pick. Which just, I mean. It, I don't know, man. I, I would just, I mean, imagine being a Houston Texans fan. Imagine it. It's got to just be one of the bleakest existences in professional sports fandom. It's it's just terrible.
2: I don't really have any sort of evaluation on any of the quarterbacks that are coming out. But I think if it was me, I would have taken Anthony Richardson first. Just swing for the fences. 100%. Like, either this guy's going to be fucking amazing or he sucks. And you're going to know pretty quickly. <laughs>
1: And you're going to have the number one overall pick again next yeah. year. So if he really is as bad as his doubters and his haters say, which I disagree with, I think I think he probably is going to end up being the best quarterback of these four guys. I mean, Levis fell all the way to the second round. but He was talking about mock drafts. People people mocking Will Levis, you know, in the top five picks, including me. Hey, I, I put him up there in my I, mock draft. I, I,
2: I, I, I bet him to be the number one pick like four weeks ago. Didn't work out. Wasn't even the first pick. Funny second, enough. Wasn't even the first pick of the second round.
1: Mayo, i got i got unbelievably lucky um betting on on some of these hunches so i bet on him to go exactly to the tennessee titans thinking (laughs) that the titans would would trade up to get him at four or at three and ended up backdooring eight to one exactly to the tennessee titans in the second round
2: so you must have been like full of glee when the draft was breaking down when the Titans are sitting there, were they at 11? Was that their pick?
1: 11? Yeah, 11.
2: Be like, oh, holy shit, this is going to happen. And then it doesn't happen. You're like, oh, man.
1: <laughs> well, the the biggest wager I placed was under uh, four and a half quarterbacks to go in the first round. Not because I was a Levis doubter, although I was, but it because to me, Hendon Hooker had like literally a 0% chance of being a first round pick. Uh, but the, so the, all the, all the Levis bets, uh, now I also made very similar to you. I made other terrible Levis bets, you know, to be the second pick, uh, you know, all, all this stuff. So like, I, I, I didn't like, I didn't, I, uh, I did not make millions of dollars on the NFL draft, but I, I got, basically I got bailed out by Levis going to the Titans.
2: I think that the only way that over four core, four and a half quarterbacks was going to hit this year is if the Raiders had taken a quarterback at seven. And then all of a sudden four of them are off the board in the first seven picks. And then you have every other team that kind of wants a quarterback jockeying to get back into the first round of the twenties to take hooker. Like that was the, that was the out. It It was
1: Minnesota at what was it? The, I think they ended up trading up or whatever, but Minnesota at 23 was the the team that people kept consistently mocking head and hooker too. But I just was looking at the Vikings roster being like their defense stinks thielen's gone you know they got nothing like they like yeah I, I i i don't know i mean people i i do i find um these people who treat uh draft betting as like just this cash cow to be pretty disingenuous because you one you can't get that much money down you get limited pretty quickly and two i mean you're you're betting on tweets like you're just you're just betting on tweets well I, you you know? you're, but that, you're
2: you're better off believing the tweets than you are reddit boards i think
1: I actually think the move uh, and I I obviously I'm gonna forget this when it comes down uh, when it comes down to getting draft bets down next year. I think the move is just to bet a lot of long shots early, like bet a lot of 10 to ones, 20 to ones, things like that and instead of chasing steam, right so a great example, will Anderson, at one point was like 10 to one to go to, then he was three to one, then he was minus two fifty. And, and I was like, Oh, this is a lock. You know, Will Anderson is going to, uh, you know, the the tech he, he's on, uh, uh, K Adams show saying the Texans are going to take me. I'm so excited how they're going to use me. And he does end up going to the Texans, but in a way that no one predicted and betting that at 10 to one, you actually you're like well I didn't win but I got closing line value and my bet was like directionally accurate but betting that at two to one or at minus two hundred is like a terrible wager so I'm really trying to reinforce that to myself next year it's just just if if you kind of accept that a lot of these bets are going to lose anyways you should be betting them at at the longer pos- at the longest possible odds so essentially it just becomes golf betting uh yeah I mean uh it's it's like golf betting. But, let like, in golf betting, getting closing line value feels good. Like, when hey, you it, bet a guy... Yeah, but
2: uh, it also really doesn't mean anything. Because you could be like, oh, I bet... Like, I have Gary Woodland this week. I bet Gary Woodland at 90. At sure. uh, 90-1, to 1. I see that he's already down to 66 and 60 in some spots. Like, it doesn't make it fucking, like, great, I got 30 points of line value. Like, whatever. If I had bet him at 60-1, to 1, I'd still feel, like, pretty happy if he won. But he's, he's not going he's not, he's not to win. If,
1: but if you are consistently getting good numbers at open, like you're consistently numbers are getting worse after you're betting them, you can at least be like, well, you know, the other uh, billions of people on earth who are betting on golf think that I am onto something here, which is probably good.
2: Yeah, but I never win. So this this happens all the time. I'll get on a guy and I make you know, like a very strong case for him and I'll bet him and then I release the show and then his number goes, hey, why am I really getting closing line value or am, or am I the product of making that happen?
1: Well, I mean, that's certainly you are in a unique position because people listen to what you say and the markets are going to react to what you say. So that's definitely a part of it. But uh yeah I mean getting closing line value in general I mean this is like such a and I hate gambling Twitter I find gambling Twitter to be so full of but I, I,
2: I th- see, people. see I, I mean I get it and Pizzola talks about it all the time on with me and like that's what he's really aiming to do because you know he's not going to try to make himself out to be some sort of savant of predicting the future what he is trying to predict or what the lines are going to be three hours from now three days from now and try to get on the good side of it knowing that if he can continuously do that he's going to end up with an edge over time I, I understand how that makes a ton of sense i feel like it's less meaningful in golf than it is in other things and especially with something like the nfl draft yeah you want to have your 10 to 1 but it's because no one knows how to properly cap this market like you're just kind of guessing
1: oh well i mean that is that is 100 percent true um and it would be different so like golf outrights are one thing but like for example if you were like really grinding like golf matchups yeah. or whatever getting that because cl- you're realizing that equity more often getting closing line value there you would you would My guess is even over kind of a short time frame, like six weeks or something, you would really notice a difference in the wagers where you were getting closing line value versus ones where it was moving against you.
2: A hundred percent. And even like, I just don't bet all that much on head-to-head matchups, but I do really well with them. Like if I just stop betting outrights and only bet head-to-head matchups in golf, I feel like I'd be a very profitable golf better. But I don't want to do that. That's no fun. I don't bet enough that it makes a difference to me. Like I wanna win I I wanna win like five thousand bucks if I hit an outright.
1: (laughs) That's always that's always what I've said is that I I sports bet recreationally. I sports bet like, you know, like I this is not it's not my job to sports bet, so I I really only bet matchups and and three balls and stuff for the majors because I'm so locked in to those events anyways, and I just want to have extra sweat. But like you know, at the Mexico Open, I'm not betting Will Gordon head to heads just because it's not really like I don't find any joy in that.
2: I bet you those would have been pretty profitable though.
1: Yeah, I mean he, I mean talk about a guy. I this this golf betting season is just bumming me out. I've had six second places and i don't bet each ways all that often hey, I, I'm, at, so, I'm, at, I'm at
2: eight second place finishes now with one winner that's that's not good for your bank account
1: trust me no i've got i've got i've got one winner this year but i i need i need the bailout bet you know like your one bailout bet you get every year for it was for me it was fitzpatrick at uh the u.s open last year or two years was it last year or two years ago
2: it was last year
1: it was last year. Yeah, yeah, it was last year. I need I need that. I need that to happen to me again. Like I need I need like a two unit 40 to 1 bet to come in and just and just bring me back to to even.
2: Are Bryce Young and CJ Stroud going to be any good?
1: I mean again, like you're you're sort of asking a person who is not going to like I I my I'm not going to say they're going to be bad. My read on both of them is that I'm worried about Bryce Young's both height and his weight because he is just going to get like you just are going to get hit a lot playing behind a bad offensive line as a rookie, and you can weigh in at what what he ended up weighing in at like two oh one at the combine or whatever, but that's a fake weight. That's not going to be his playing weight. You so know he trained for so, six.
2: So he was suffering from inflammation those days. If he had been in the cryo chamber, he would have weighed like uh, one seventy eight. I,
1: I think I think he was suffering from uh like like four protein shakes a day for six weeks. <laughs> I, I think was more the vibe that he was going for, and. Stroud, again, the people who do scouting for a living kind of comp him to like, uh, Derek Carr, you know, yeah, like a Carr, a cousins, you know, like one of these guys who is like pretty good when he's on script, not so great outside of, uh, you know, what the play design is. Now, the big unknown with CJ Stroud is he didn't run at all in his college career until his final two games, the college football playoff games, and he made multiple like. 20 plus yard runs, like difference making plays that ended up changing the game. And when he was doing, you know, his combine interviews and everything, he was like, oh, yeah, like I can do that. I kind of wish I had done it more just to put it on tape for people drafting me. And if that, if he brings, and, and for example, Fields was the same way. Well, Fields they, really did not run at so Ohio
2: State. Maybe that's just a part of their game plan. It, it's a like, I mean, I have a show that I've already re- recorded with Sealy breaking down like fantasy running backs for the upcoming year. And he's like, well, you can just basically pencil B. John Robinson into 350 touches. It's like Atlanta doesn't throw to running backs at all. Like, just because you're a good pass catcher out of their backfield doesn't mean they're going to throw to you. Maybe Ohio State's offense is geared very much the same way, where they don't want their quarterbacks to run. All of their design is just for pocket passing, and that's going to be it. Because you're right about fields. At Ohio State, didn't run much. Like, Josh Allen wasn't a prolific runner in college like he is in the NFL, either.
1: Well, Josh Allen just straight-up stunk ass at Wyoming. Like, anyone anyone who wants to do the revisionist history on Josh Allen is wrong, he, it's not to say the Bills were wrong to pick him because clearly they saw the vision. But, and Josh Allen, even as a rookie, was like, he had more interceptions than touchdowns. Like, he was horribly bad. Sure. But you, you now, know what? In,
2: in his rookie year, no one thought that he'd be playing that early, but you could see. I mean, I, I you I, could I, see it. You could yes. see I, it. I, You're I, like, oh shit.
1: Yes. <laughs> no, I totally, I totally agree. Like, you could look at him you can and you can be like, okay, just because he can't do this doesn't mean he can't do X, Y, or Z, right? And I think the issue with with Young and Stroud is people look at them and they're like that just kind of is what they are. That you know, there's not there's not like Bryce Young is a, a really good, accurate passer, good decision maker. But like, what makes but... what
2: makes Bryce Young any different than Tua?
1: Right, no, I think you're right, all right? I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying at all. And obviously what we saw with Tua is you got to put him in a very specific context to succeed, that context being having two of the 10 best wide receivers in the NFL, and that is very much not the situation that either Young or Stroud are coming into. Stroud is going to be fascinating because if you look at uh, the four players he completed the most passes to when he was in college, all four of them are going to be top, 20 picks in the NFL draft, right? Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, Alave, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Might be like the second freaking pick next year. So how does he do when he's not throwing to literally like all universe wide receivers?
2: Yeah, it'll be difficult. Listen, not every first round wide receiver ends up panning out and being great. At least the guys in the NFL even if they weren't first round picks they could have been undrafted the fact that they're playing in the NFL usually makes them pretty good to begin with like i right. think i th- yeah if they all end up being as good as garrett wilson was last year and all four of them have these amazing careers
1: then yeah that's And alave a- alave was pretty good too
2: I mean, was Olave really good? Because I feel like a lot of Olave was, oh my God, look at these air yards, which like 30% of them came in one game where Jameis just took five step drops and threw it as far as he could in the general vicinity of Olave. And none of them were going to be fucking realized because they were like 10 yards over his head.
1: I mean, he had 72 catches for a thousand yards and four touchdowns in 15 games for a team where he was the only real passing option. Right, Mike?
2: so he had all the volume.
1: I mean, the sec- this is actually absolutely fucking insane to look at. Alvin Kamara was second on the team in receptions. Juwan Johnson was third. The only other wide receivers with over 20 catches on the team Trey were Watt. undrafted free agent Rashid Shahid and Jarvis Landry.
2: I forgot about that. I forgot that they had Landry for me. Shahid's fast.
1: Sheed is fat. I mean, Sheed I think is actually like probably going to stick on their roster and be kind of a difference maker for a while. I I personally am pretty impressed by any twenty two year old who can come in for the NFL and be a thousand yard wide receiver in like a pretty bad offensive context. Like the rest of the offense was really bad.
2: I'm not saying that he's bad, but I think that his stats may have been inflated by just the monster target share that he ended up with.
1: Yeah, but targets are targets are earned, right? I mean, I, I, are, are I, they? Here, here, here's Carey,
2: our, here's our guy that we picked in the first round, and Michael Thomas got hurt, and Jarvis Landry is decrepit, and we have no one else to throw to. We'll throw to this guy.
1: <laughs> but there are lots of other guys who, even in that same context, can't can't earn targets, right? Like Drake
2: London. I mean, there like are Drake London earned a ton. Yeah. He just didn't catch any of them.
1: I mean, there are there are just lots of guys who who play every down, who are out there all the time, and just never never earn targets. Sure, right? I sure. Mean, but uh, now, but now
2: we're comparing Chris Olave versus. Kirk Kirkwood or whatever the hell that guy's name was. And Traquan he's, Smith, he's like Kirkwood g- or whatever.
1: G- yeah. G- general
2: losers that have been on the saints for years.
1: Yeah. I, 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 guess I would just say, I mean, maybe this is like a philosophical difference, but between how you and I are, are watching these guys, but I, I think a is, is pretty freaking good. Not, not as good as Garrett Wilson, not as good as Garrett Wilson, but still pretty good.
2: Sure. And I'm not saying that he's a bad receiver, but when, do we think Michael Thomas comes back? He, he said, he's going to come back. But like, is he going to play?
1: <laughs> who knows? Like literally, who knows? I I heard I heard some rumblings that they wanted to get Quentin Johnston. That so so clearly they view wide receiver I think rightfully as a as a problem.
2: But if they like Quentin Johnson, guy that went to the Chargers, right? Like he's a burner. Like yeah. that's I mean he's not replacing Michael Thomas. Like Michael Thomas is still going to come in. Slant boy.
1: I mean Quentin Johnson's going to be slant boy. <laughs> well, uh I mean they could they could make. They could make a Lave Slant Boy if they wanted.
2: I suppose they could if they wanted to go down that route. But if Michael Thomas is going to come back, at least you know that he Even at the beginning of last year when he was catching those touchdown passes from... Jameis, it's like, all right, he can still do the one thing that he always did really well, just he couldn't stay healthy. I guess that's also a thing that he does really well is not stay healthy. But if you bring back Thomas and you have a Lave there, you can find Shahid as the deep guy. I think their offense is going to look a little bit better with Derek Carr. Like, not that I think that Derek Carr is like, but you kind of, I kind of brought him up when we were talking about what CJ Stroud could be. And CJ Stroud could be completely different. We saw this with Herbert in his final game, the final bowl game. All of a sudden, Herbert started running. It was like, holy shit, who's this guy? Because he wasn't doing that yeah. all year long at Oregon. Then the final game, it's like, oh, he can run? Like like well, actually. Trevor Lawrence, well?
1: Trevor Lawrence did the same thing. Trevor Lawrence did the same thing. Trevor Lawrence can can scoot around a little bit, you know? Um, and and I mean people can can laugh. Like the ability, the like the difference between being a total zero at scrambling out of the pocket like uh like a, a Matt Stafford or whatever, and even like what Joe Burrow can do is it's like actually huge in terms of determining how defense is guard you and and how like or or like Mahomes does this all the time Mahomes does not run in the regular season he is like dude I am not getting cheap shotted in a week eight game against the Broncos and then every single year without failure he he makes multiple running plays in the playoffs So like it's just the ability to do it is pretty important
2: yeah, the, the two safest prop bets you can make in the in the first game that their team is playing in the playoffs is Mahomes over rushing and Josh Allen over rushing because Josh Allen will like yeah. run throughout the course of the year, but like any time anything is close in the playoffs, it's like I'm just going to take off for 12 yards. Don't worry about that.
1: I'm I'm loving I'm loving these stories coming out of Buffalo now where where his coaches are like yeah Josh like you got to stop doing this like
2: he's not going to stop he can't help himself literally
1: no <laughs> chance literally no ch- and I actually think you don't really want him to like if you like you don't my read is you don't really want Josh Allen thinking when he's out there you know I think you want him just vibing because Josh Allen just vibing is like an insanely good player
2: but he's you have to get the lucky break that when he does the really boneheaded thing that you know that he's going to do that it doesn't cost you when it happens like the fumble goes out of bounds or something like that
1: do you remember do you remember the houston playoff game three years ago when he when he lateraled to the fullback that is one of my it's one of my it's like obviously such a a small play in the context of the nfl but it's just like I don't know. Like, if I was a Bills fan, I would be so into that. I'd be like, I will die for you, Josh. Like, whatever. Like, just because you. the thing about Josh Allen is you can tell he's just, like, 100% a gamer all the time. Like, he does not care about getting hit. He is just always trying to make something happen.
2: And the fact that he took that hit against the Jets and whatever it was, like, week eight last year, like, that fucked him up for the entire year. He was not great after that.
1: No, no, he, it, it, what was it? he had like an ulnar injury yeah. or whatever after that. And it was like a very marked difference, but he, like, you know, he's not missing games. You know, he's, he's out there, he's grinding. I, lo- I love Josh Allen. He's a, he's a good, he's a good player. Plays in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am every year now too. Yeah. Him and Rogers. Although, although word on the street is is that Rogers is a, uh, is a sand sandbagger.
2: Yeah. It does not shock me that Aaron Rodgers is secretly awesome at golf.
1: No, no, I, well, awesome might be over, over it, but he's pretty good. Like he's probably what, like a five, something like that. Like that's pretty
2: good when a lot of your year is dedicated to playing football and not playing golf four times a week.
1: Yeah. I think he's, I think he's a five who has an official handicap of like, I remember this from the match. I think he's, I think he's like a, an eight, a USGA eight, but I think he's probably more like a five.
2: That's still really good for a non-professionally oh, good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even, I, I truly cannot even imagine being, uh, I, I can't imagine being an 8, let alone a 5.
2: Well, I, I do want to talk about the running backs, uh, like Robinson going 8, Gibbs, Barry Gibbs talk show going number 12. What the hell were the Lions thinking here? Like, yeah, maybe this is the guy that you want. Why did you have to take him there? You could have turned 12 into more picks and still gotten him.
1: I mean, no one, no one knows. And and there's definitely an element of, uh, you know, me thinks the lady doth protest too much because the entire day after the entire Friday and Saturday, they were, you know, speaking to all these NFL mouthpieces, you know, Tom Pellicero, Rap Sheet, all these guys. And they were like, oh, you know, the Texans were considering taking him at three. And, uh, the, you know, the Cardinals are maybe going to take him. And we were That's
2: great. Let, 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 let the Texans take it Let the Texans trade the Will Anderson deal and take a running back instead.
1: Good. right exactly and and then and then you know there was the classic oh you know we view him as more than a running back we we think he can play in the slot we think he could be you know x y and z it's like this is the same playbook every time a team takes a running back in the first round is they try and pretend that they're not a running back for some reason you know it doesn't make any sense to me then they took a a fucking middle linebacker at the 18th pick (laughs) I don't know. It was bizarre.
2: It it just seems strange to me because it does seem like they're really close. Maybe these guys are, because they do have specific needs at those specific positions, but it always seems like the collective idea is you don't draft for actual team needs unless that team need is like, A quarterback and you have a very high pick and there's one that you like, you don't want to get a shitty quarterback on your team because that will just stunt your progress for five years. Like, Gibbs can come in and be electric and give them what they need that Swift couldn't at running back, for sure, and make them a better team. If they do truly need someone to absorb a lot of the running game, I mean, I really don't, have any idea what jack campbell does well maybe he's great in coverage or something like that let's just say he's a run stopper maybe they do have this hole of trying to fill up fill up the gaps and have someone who can just kind of slow the pace of the game down and make sure that people can't run all over you that could go a long way in helping them getting to where they need to be but you just think they'd be better taking corners and o and d linemen just to continue to shore up the positions that matter the most
1: I mean, that's just just pretty much like analytics front office 101 is that you want to be drafting guys at cross, you know, you want as much cost controlled labor at the positions that impact the passing game as possible. So edge rushers, cornerbacks, uh, you know, tackles, stuff like wide receivers. I mean, I, this was a pretty unpopular opinion. No one seemed to buy this. I, I thought the Lions should have taken one of these wide receivers. Um, Specifically, I think Johnston was a good fit for them because the, the range of outcomes for Jamison Williams is, like, pretty wide at this point. I mean, he – this is true. He came back from the ACL last year in week 11. How many – just off the top of your head, how many passes do you think he caught? Well, I
2: had him in fantasy – He's he's on my like keeper league team and I almost tra- sure. and I almost traded him. I actually did trade him by accident to someone else when I was trading Javante Williams. It's tough when there's a lot of Classic. Jay Williams around and we got that worked I out. I get it. We got that worked out. Uh so uh, Jameson Jamison Williams was returned to me and Javante Williams was left off my roster. But I don't know, eight catches, nine catches. W-
1: one. Only had one.
2: One catch. He only, he only had one played- catch last year?
1: Yeah, he, he had like a forty 43- three touchdown. Catch. That was it. That was his catch. That was his only 70. Hold on. That was his His only only catch. That
2: was his only catch last year.
1: I was, I was stunned by this too. Like in my memory, he was more involved. Do you
2: you think he bet the under on himself?
1: (laughs) Maybe he did. I don't know. But so the start to his career is he comes in with a torn ACL. Oh yeah. He plays 78. He he plays 78 snaps in six games, one catch for a 40 yard touchdown, then immediately gets suspended for six games. Now I, I don't, I don't know this, but my guess is is that when you're suspended, you you're like, are you allowed to be at the team facility for like training camp and 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 all that preseason games? Like, is he allowed I, yeah, to play he, in the preseason? Yeah,
2: he's allowed to play because Watson played in the preseason last year.
1: That's right, he did. Okay, so that changes my feelings a little bit because I think being away from the team entirely that's that feels like a huge thing in his developmental curve. But it's still a very inauspicious start to a career, and I, I thought they had a great chance to add a guy who could come in and play. And, and let's say it works out, right? So let's say Jamison Williams comes back. He looks like the guy who's incredible at Alabama. Like, there's no issue. You have three great wide receivers. You know, you have St. Brown. You have whoever, you know, Smith and or Quentin Johnson or whatever. And you have Jamison Williams. And you have this amazing explosive offense ready for either more golf or you make a trade, you do, you do whatever. And you like, the NFC is so weak. The Lions could be like a Super Bowl contender by next year, you know, if, if all this works out. And I don't think they win in that direction at all. They drafted Hendon Hooker, right? They drafted Hendon Hooker in the third round. Yeah, I'm curious to
2: see what that turns into.
1: My my guess would be if they're good this year, if they're if they start out, you know, promising, if they're if they're 500 or better, or, or you know, whatever. At, after 10 weeks, we probably don't see him. But if the season goes off the rails. Goff is you know throwing picks they can't get anything going my guess is they well it's he's coming off of a torn acl and he's 26 years old like i don't know maybe he, he might not even be healthy i the hen and hooker stuff was was blowing my mind
2: well did the did the was it the georgia guy stenson bennett did he ended up getting drafted
1: he got drafted in the fourth round the rams took him
2: oh good for them
1: he, we'll he's, probably he's, he's, he's like we'll probably...
2: he's like your age isn't he, he...
1: He literally he literally is like as old as me I think uh I mean shit, he he might play this year like who knows what the Rams are doing like there's no point in Stafford playing
2: Stafford's gonna play though isn't he
1: yeah I mean he's gonna start he's gonna start the season the same way he did last year but Stafford has had so like if oh, this is a good injury like this is a good search go dude just go go look at all the injuries Matt Stafford has missed games for this dude's body like he is like a farvian level of injuries I mean he's had like Uh, he's had he's had broken ribs he's had uh, herniated discs in his back he's had ankle injuries he's had hand injuries like Stafford has been beat up so I I kind of bought those reports he would think about retiring it's funny
2: too because for the first like three years of his career or so he missed a ton of games and it was oh soft fragile and then I think he went like 10 years without missing a game despite having all these injuries
1: yeah, I mean he played ten games as a rookie, three games his second year. I don't remember what that injury was, and then sixteen games a year every year from twenty eleven to twenty eighteen. Like he really, I mean I I've always kind of been a Stafford guy. Like I I kind of I liked the trade that the Rams made to get him when I, they did it.
2: I like him. He always felt to me like, I mean Favre is a good comp. I mean like Favre ended yeah. up getting it done and becoming a Super Bowl champion, and I mean, hell it almost happened again for him, but. I always felt like Stafford was close to that level, almost like, I mean, a better arm than Phillip Rivers, but in that style of player that I just like to watch, not they need to be particularly great or anything like that. But sure. like Romo, yeah. I would throw into that mix.
1: Oh, Romo. My childhood my childhood favorite quarterback Sad, sad to see the revisionist history around Tony Romo, and he's not doing himself any favors with, uh, with the color comms anyway. But yeah, but you always say, love Romo. To see
2: that that that's not the case at all. By the way, I think that him on CBS, even now that like the internet has turned on him, it's only helping his Hall of Fame case, which he shouldn't make. By the way, um, if we're not going to put Donovan McNabb into the Hall of Fame, then Tony Romo has legitimately zero opportunity to get it.
1: Yeah, he he will not. He will not be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer in my heart cuz I grew up rooting for the Cowboys, but he he's not going to make it. What else do I got? Did you see that NFL graphic fiasco the other night? No. No, I didn't.
2: Uh Paul, you might know about this. The the Panthers game before they I think it was the the Bruins and the Panthers. They ended up like pulling the goalie and scoring with like 16 seconds left but at like 23 seconds left. A graphic came up on the screen that just said goal. And it was like, Oh, the NHL was rigged. It was, it was all that shit again.
1: Oh, I, okay. I did. I did see this. Yeah, I did. I did see this.
2: And then people were, I forget what people were saying. It's like, Oh, it's because of broadcast delay. It's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. It's just a lot of people who have no idea how TV production works had a lot of opinions on this. I just thought it was really funny.
1: Well, well, that's just uh, that's just sort of uh, that's just sort of like the Internet in general is people become an expert on whatever the topic of the day of the day is. The, the whole the whole sports is rigged. People are, are currently like amongst my least favorite people on the Internet, though. You know, these people who complain, they're like, oh, I had a, an eight to one same game parlay at FanDuel and all I needed was Clint Capella to get one more rebound. And FanDuel sent a message to the Atlanta Hawks telling Clint Capella to not get any more rebounds.
2: It'd be nice. Like, it's funny because if that was the case, think about the like amount of respect you would have for institutions and their power, which these people clearly don't. But they still don't believe have. this. But they think that this is true. Like, there's a there's a logic gap between these things.
1: I mean, yeah, it's it's uh it it because. I guess it's just that people are are they don't I don't know I guess all of our brains are just so rotten that we we are so bad at logic right but well really what it comes down to is people just believe there's a shadowy cabal that's against them personally <laughs> yeah right? they, because I... they're because they're so important they are at the center of their own universe that there has to be there's got to be a reason why success and wealth. And, and joy does not come to them, right? And it's got to be this cabal of people specifically working against them.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a conspiracy against one. Uh, like most, most far-side comics around this. Maybe Gary Larson felt this way like 40 years ago and he just channeled it into w- one-cell animation in comic books that I own like... F- I, I, I grew up with like... 18 catalogs of Far Side comics. Maybe they're not even funny. I just remember them being funny as a kid. But it's the same sort of thing as like the 9-11 truther stuff that you'll hear people say, George Bush is the stupidest person to ever be president. Also, he organized the biggest mass cover-up in the history of America. Like, maybe one of those is true. Both of them can't be true.
1: Well, the the i mean i this is a good left-wing grifter take it's not that it's not that bush organized it it's that cheney organized it using george bush as a puppet
2: but he just bush just didn't didn't know what was going on just didn't realize
1: basically yeah they never told him they never they never it was all it was all it was all cheney and rumsfeld and uh you know the the defense contractors who would stand to make a lot of money off of a war
2: okay good logic uh-huh. I got
1: I got deep I got deep in the 911 conspiracy theories when that was like a a, a very popular thing in yeah. the in the
2: 2010s Well when you could uh, just YouTube loose change and be all in
1: like that really affected a lot Ooh. of people It did I I actually think uh there there's such a pipeline of uh the loose change uh and what was the other one the the Zeitgeist movie I oh, mean yeah. those were those there's such a stepping stone from those uh you know non research non scientific made up bullshit documentaries to the the QAnon vaccine bill gates george soros complex that exists now
2: well I, I want to go back to the nhl goal for a second and paul you might actually have like the the better insight on this because i know you've done the live production but if a Chiron comes up on the screen too early for example. So I, I feel like one of two things happened in this because it happened at the same time that the goalie was pulled in the game. So either someone made a mistake loading in the graphic when they should have put up the empty net graphic that comes up on the screen when the goalie heads off to the bench and said they put in goal or they were getting prepped for like they want to have the goal graphic ready because they have pulled the goalie and like that's like the last graphic that would have to come up and someone just hit the button early
3: nah sports are rigged bro
1: (laughs) paul knows paul knows they're rigged well
3: i've been behind the scenes you you gave me too much uh you gave me too much credit you gave me uh you you made me out to be the expert and then i gave you the answer that you didn't want no uh, there's mistakes happening in like broadcasts all the time they just only notice the things like a graphic mistake that is in the yeah that that suits their narrative I mean, it goes back to like the DeMar Hamlin is dead thing. It's like every, every week these guys are on to something new. But yeah, the people who are, are you trying to that tell me are, are you trying to... Out to get them and their money are so egregious. Like, bro, nobody, the books don't care about your $5 parlay. <laughs> or the people who are like, oh, the boosts, like the boosts are a trap. It's like, no, they want you to log in every single day to find those boosts so that you dump your money on other stuff. Like, that's how this industry works. That's all I got to
1: say. I mean Paul obviously just spitting in the face of everyone who knows that Demar Hamlin is cloned you know <laughs> sad not not a,
2: not a friend of the people Paul Shaughnessy
1: yeah I thought I thought I thought Paul I thought Paul was uh you know was was one of us but here he is just you know parroting uh you know the Bill Gates Foundation basically
2: uh, did you check out my sitcom bracket at all Well, not my sitcom bracket see his sitcom bracket
1: uh so I didn't uh I did not track it. Uh, vote by vote but I did I saw I saw the tweets as they were coming out and I, I remember having some opinions
2: yeah we're, we're gonna I, I want to get it's pinned to my tw- I still think it's pinned to the top of my Twitter right now if you want to take a look at the bracket I'm, I'm pulling it up right now Gary and I are gonna do the second round next week as we reopen voting to it but everything went about as chalk as I thought it was gonna go in the first round who, who what because i think there's a big difference and this is what i tried to speak to as we were breaking down the bracket itself and i'll talk about the shows that weren't included i didn't put the shows in see did get mad at him not me like i love like venture brothers isn't on it not, not that it would ever win against anything because i've seen that fucking show but like happy endings as like a pure network sitcom happy endings is amazing if people haven't watched happy endings go watch happy endings it's like two and a half seasons it's it's amazing. It should be on that list. But you know, it's not. Like the Larry Sanders show isn't on it. But there is a big difference between what I think is going to win and what I would pick to win. If you know is what the, I mean?
1: Is The Simpsons not in this bracket? It's a three seed. This this was a point of contention on like all four I mean, of the shows. Like that's like I like, obviously like that's insane to make The Simpsons a three seed. Because the Simpsons would be my winner picking through, I'm sure. And, and the Simpsons was
2: my winner as well. But it is funny that to talk to people who aren't big Simpsons fanatics, like you and I both they are. They just don't get it. They just, they, they they don't see it. And I'm like, huh, I guess that makes yeah. sense. Because, I mean, you're younger than me, but I mean, Garion's going to be the same way. You and I are around the same age. And Tim and I are around the same age. But it does feel like our childhoods somehow, despite an age gap, we're just built around watching The Simpsons all the time. And that's kind of yeah, every what, day. what your sense of humor is kind of geared around. But it was mainly watching it, it those first- It like, impacts your
1: worldview, I think, when you grew up on The Simpsons. Like, either you're like a Simpsons person when you were young or you're not, and there's like a huge difference between those those comedic senses of humor.
2: I, I completely agree. And it's how you interpret comedy for like kind of the rest of your being going through it. And it's a great show to go, especially if you've watched like the, the first- Let's be generous and say first ten seasons of The Simpsons. But a lot of people will counter, be like, "Well, there's 20 years of like absolute dog shit," <laughs> which is a fair argument. And if you grew, like, if you were a person that weren't wasn't in on the ground floor, especially in syndication, and that was so big, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, like when everyone caught up on Seinfeld or Friends, who was just a bit too young, and why they became fans of those shows, The Simpsons was the king of syndication. When you went around, it was just on a, every they, single they channel. Still,
1: a, yeah. They still are the king of syndication.
2: But, like, I will go through, like, there's, I think there's, like, eight channels that have Simpsons, like, scattered throughout during the course of the day when I'm flicking channels. Like, I'll click onto it to see if it's a season four episode. If it's not, I'm like, eh, I don't want to fucking watch this. Which I think
1: does hurt its yeah. case. Uh, I mean, yeah, but there's there's shitty episodes to all of these shows, right? I mean, yeah, but I, haven't is, seen, but is, I haven't seen is there, a ton
2: of these. Is there 20 shitty years of, I I mean, I, I can't even speak to what's happened in the past 15 years with The Simpsons because it got bad and I stopped watching.
1: I mean I still watch some of the new ones every once in a while. They're they're it's never as bad as people say. Obviously it's not as good and there are some particularly objectionable ones that they've done over the years like you know having like Lady Gaga and Elon Musk centric <laughs> episodes or whatever, but it's still like I don't know. I'd still probably rather watch the Simpsons than any given episode of like Will and Grace.
2: Yeah. That's completely fair. Look at the bottom part of the bracket in the East region. Like that's the Murderers okay. Row of where this bracket was. everyone can go check out these brackets at, at the pme on twitter by yeah the way. The,
1: i all these shows are good i in these i guess i haven't seen some of them but but most of these are insanely good
2: and it's funny because the office is going to steamroll all of these shows right sure
1: yes uh 100 but i i would probably have king of the hill coming out of of uh of the east region but yeah the office is the 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 office fan base dude is is just voracious
2: And uh, that is to be expected. It won the first round against Elf with 92% of the vote. Uh, So I had, Cust had King of the Hill winning that like mini bracket, beating The Office or beating 30 Rock. I had 30 Rock beating King of the Hill in that spot. It's funny because Family Guy is a part of that as well. And uh, Sia was trying to make the argument that not only is Family Guy better than The Simpsons, but Brian Griffin is like the best animated sitcom character of all time. It was just like mind-blowing stuff.
1: I'm really triggered by this.
2: I, I you should watch like these. Should, guys, you should listen to these shows that just out, outrage. Listen to them.
1: <laughs> uh, Family Guy is fam- I don't know. Like I American Dad is the good Seth MacFarlane I, show. See? Not. We're not, we're not on the same page guy. with this.
2: Well, I I think our our tastes are too similar. That's why you know me and you probably shouldn't do a show on this. We just agree about everything.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh. I I the critic probably would have made my bracket. You know. Yeah, I love The Critic. Great. Like, I, I
2: like The Critic more than those Seth MacFarlane shows, but, like, I also would have had The Simpsons as a one seed and South Park as a two seed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Have you, uh, have you, see, ha- have you watched
2: the new season of South Park?
1: I haven't. I'm probably not current on South Park for, like, the last five years or so. Oh, man.
2: Just, I, I caught up on it when I was away. Like I, I went, and, like I said, I went out and I saw my brother uh, down in L.A. We just watched South Park. He's like, you got to watch this new season of South Park, and it's fucking fantastic.
1: I, I believe I believe South Park is still good but uh trey and Matt sort of became uh you know just the living embodiment of you know both sides are bad both sides are terrible and that uh, I mean that, 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 that I mean
2: why 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 are they the living embodiment of that now haven't they always been that
1: I guess I guess you know what that's that's actually fair that's actually fair like like it, uh, so, South,
2: is, South Park is just nihilism it always has been
1: uh yeah no I mean I guess that I'd never, I've never heard it phrased that way. And I think it's probably right.
2: So you shouldn't be shocked that that if someone describes in that way or they describe themselves as that way, that that's nothing new.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's just like uh, the, the whole politics also just has become so depressing to me that engaging with something that even, even engaging with something that is nihilistic is, is still like a little depressing. You know well, what I mean?
2: So th- this is one that I thought was going to happen. It's funny you said you would have King of the Hill coming out cuz I would too. It lost in the first round to Eastbound and Down. A show which is very
1: funny. Eastbound and, Eastbound and Down is great. It yeah. Is, yeah. I, like, I, like it is but, it is great.
2: But King of the Hill is an
1: all-timer. King of the Hill, King of the Hill, yeah, I would say I would say Eastbound and Down is hilarious and you're like gut laughing when you watch it, but King of the Hill is is sort of like uh like a permanent show. Like it's it's just great like there's just no there's no way around it like it's it's got everything that a sitcom needs to have
2: and it's just like I, we have the we have fraser is the number one seed in that region like i love fraser it has zero chance of winning
1: uh yeah you're a big you're a big fraser maxie i i have not watched that much of it what i have watched of it is good but like you should i, I watch Make- more cheers than i did of fraser okay i
2: mean cheers is two seed. also another one probably doesn't have much of a chance just i think it's a bit too old for the people that would be voting in this bracket
1: yeah i mean that that is a problem right is a lot of people voting on this bracket are are not going to have seen that not going to have seen you know silver spoons or honestly even cheers probably
2: yeah well i mean that's one of the reasons why we left out like all in the family and and hell i mean i don't know if mash really counts as some of these aren't like our animated shows, sitcoms i guess is a better question for this sort of bracket
1: I mean, I think you gotta, I think for for this exercise you have to include both. Uh is is the Cosby show so the Cosby show is a is a three seed. Are we not have we not just canceled the Cosby show? Have we not just removed it from our memory? Well, it lost to
2: two and a half men in the first round, so
1: two and a half men was was uh it 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 was good uh, you know, mindless TV. I I don't remember any of the key Plot points, really, but I remember thinking it's, like, sort of generally funny. Yeah, I, I always
2: kind of found, like, I just because I love Charlie Sheen and <laughs> everything that he's in.
1: He's uh, He is just, you know, for for all his faults, the dude's funny as hell.
2: And listen, even on Spin City, after he replaced Michael, I, I love Spin City. And it's just another one that just, I think is a, it's a bit too 90s. Like, Seinfeld is the ultimate 90s show, but it is the ultimate 90s show. So it has lasted over time, and everyone props it up as, you know, the greatest show of that period and friends got the second life on netflix but it seems like friends not that i love friends which i don't but it does seem relatively more current than seinfeld like 20 years later
1: seinfeld is oh well, seinfeld even like was so of its time it was commenting on like very specific things about life then and friends is sort of like just more uh you know e- eternal stories about friendship and love and marriage and and all this shit you know it's 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 uh you know there's like i don't know you know the the things that those characters do in that show is so far removed from our from our life now you know what a a secret thing i love i wonder what you think about this is these uh uh you know the josh gondelman modern seinfeld account
2: oh i i remember following that like seven years ago and i don't think i ever checked back on it again
1: he runs it he runs it on instagram now and it i mean it is it's it's i don't know it always gets me like i those it's like these little 280 character like seinfeld episode recap i'm just like a huge fan because the the idea of seinfeld happening in 2023 with all of our like imagine the chat gpt episode of seinfeld
2: well there's a chat gpt episode of south park that i just watched it's great
1: i mean i bet it's good i bet it's good yeah
2: so you should really be on that. Or go rewatch Frasier. That, that's why I keep bringing up Frasier, is that of all these 90s shows, it's aged by far the best. Like it's, I, I believe that. They're so wildly out of date in 1994, and that's the joke of the show, just how pretentious and, you know, all of their references are from the 1800s, and like opera, like that doesn't age poorly. It only ages better.
1: It gets, it gets, uh, yeah, I, I totally, what, what is it streaming on? Is it on Netflix? I have no idea. The difference between
2: streaming services. Oh yeah. Between Canada and the U S is massive. Like I tried to It's watch. like
1: uh there there's like a, a whole subset of like uh people buy like VPNs to get like Swedish Netflix or Canadian Hulu or whatever.
2: Yeah, well I mean Canadian are, it, you would be better off buying a VPN and getting Disney Plus in Canada because I believe Disney Plus in Canada is Hulu, Disney Plus, and one of the other ones all in one.
1: Uh yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh D- Disney Plus by the way. I mean, I don't know if you're I don't know if you're tuned into this. They're they're kind of giving up on the streaming wars. Really? I thought
2: they were doing yeah, the, they're, I, thought, I thought they were doing the best of the streaming wars.
1: Well, I I think they're they're capitulating and admitting that they're never going to catch up to Netflix um and they're like they're like their big flagship stuff, they're going to start bringing Star Wars back to the theaters.
2: Well, I th- I think that makes a lot of sense, but I think well, you you've been uh, on your Patreon You've been doing uh, Mandalorian with Brian, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We're we're big, well, and we hated it. We did not, we were were the nerds mad about Star Wars in the most recent season.
2: So all the Star Wars IP for the TV shows, like, wouldn't that just be enough to justify Disney Plus being around? Like, I have Disney Plus because my fucking kids love Disney Plus. Like, all the kid shit's on there. Like, anyone who has kids is going to have Disney Plus.
1: Yes. And the, certainly there are there is like a might. Uh, so like the Marvel people will always have Disney Plus and the Star Wars people will always have it. But like there was a point where like the Mandalorian was viewed as like, uh, you know, transcending being just a little nerdy Star Wars show and being like, uh, you know, like The Last of Us or whatever, where it was like a prestige drama that like people were maybe not a prestige drama, but just like, you know, sort of crossover appeal. Like, you know, maybe Alan wall was watching it or whatever. And it's, it's not that anymore. You know, it is just a, Fan a self-contained nerdy story. Yes.
2: But it felt like what you're describing, I, I only watched like the first half hour of the first episode of Andor, but it felt like Andor was what you're talking about. Not the Mandalorian.
1: Yes. Yeah. Andor was, was the best show I've watched this last year. It was, it was so good.
2: Are you, are you watching succession at all?
1: no mm -mm. i i didn't i just so i didn't watch the first two seasons before it got like big big and and i just got to go back and catch up i gotta i gotta see the issue is if i'm gonna sit down and watch uh an hour-long drama i'd like to watch it with my wife and she is not nearly as into these prestige dramas as i am you know she likes the the shitty reality tv
2: oh well speaking of that are you watching vanderpump rules with her
1: uh so that's what she's watching right how now. how are you not I watching not. it too
2: this, this season is so fire very rarely do you see a show in season 11 just have like its best 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 seasons in season two
1: so she's like she's not watching this current season i think she's like a season or two behind ah. she's like getting like she's you know getting all caught up on it or whatever so eventually i'll i'll have opinions because you know she's got it on in the background or whatever on the ipad so i, I pick up the references here and there. Is, but is she, uh, is she
2: following the 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 off the field stuff with Vanderpump Rules?
1: So I think what she does when she watches these reality shows is when she gets caught up, then she starts to to follow all you know all the people on Instagram or social media or whatever. But until then she doesn't. I believe that I believe that is her process.
2: I, I feel like this one's been a hard one to miss because Lisa and Ariana. Yeah, even even were, I'm were just even I'm the, aware they were just at the White House yeah. correspondence Dinner, and they, like Roy Wood was making jokes about Vanderpump Rules there.
1: Yeah, like I, like I like even I, as someone who doesn't know these people, doesn't know these characters. There's there's a guy named like Sandoval, right, and he's at the center of of all this drama. That's, that's him? It's like it's like crossed over. It's like crossed over to being like social media news, basically. Yeah,
2: like it's become like legitimate news and following this guy around now.
1: Kind of crazy, because weren't these these the the whole original deal was these people were just waiters, right? Yeah,
2: they were like you know, they they were all like actors trying to, trying to do whatever in L.A., but they all just worked at this one place, and the show worked right. because like they were actually friends in real life, unlike most reality shows. That because they, right. they all worked together for three years, like three of them lived together. They're like, oh, let's just take this friend group and follow them around, and then they all kind of became celebrities. A whole bunch of them been like canceled, and they're not allowed on the show anymore. Although I remember talking to Adam Rank about this. I don't think that you should be cancelable from reality TV because the people who get canceled are the reason that reality TV works. Like, you what, know, what are they
1: getting? What are they getting canceled for?
2: Uh, one of them got canceled for racism. The other one just got canceled because he's like the shittiest dude in the world. Him and his wife are just out there, but. Like, they're the people that you want to see on the TV. That's why you watch trash reality TV. Like, same things happen to the Challenge. Like, they used to have the biggest maniacs in the world on the Challenge. Now they have fucking CrossFit people on. They're not interesting. Like, I I don't want to watch it anymore. Like, if I wanted to watch CrossFit games, I would watch CrossFit games. I want to see messy people making terrible decisions, being shitty people on my TV screen. That's what I signed up
1: for. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Uh, Do you you watch... um, Love is blind. I don't know, but I get
2: caught cause that the, one,
1: that the, one I've watched.
2: Some of these people come on the challenge. So I'm like, all right. And they're usually the most entertaining people now.
1: I, it's like, I generally am pretty dismissive of reality TV. It's not like, it's not my thing, but love is blind is like, it's such a, it's such a fascinating psychological experiment. Like, you know, most of these, most of these shows don't really have a hook. You know, it's just like, watch these rich, uh you know poorly behaved people make messes of their lives yeah but love is blind is like it's you know it's like actually you learn something about the human condition watching this show
2: oh no way i'm getting it confused is love love is blind is one where you don't see the other person right
1: yeah you're you're like in you're in a room on your own you know and you I uh,
2: i was thinking of love island which is way better
1: yeah love island uh i think my wife has watched that show too that one that one was not for me
2: you really would have hated reality TV like fifteen years ago. Like, were you like anti Jersey Shore when Jersey Shore came out?
1: I didn't watch any of these shows. I didn't watch The Real World. I didn't watch. I didn't. I and look, I look, I. I'm not here to say like my tastes or interests are better than anyone else. It's just it's not. It's not always for me.
2: I, I couldn't imagine by the 2023 standards of making a television show and how you cast and just like what a phenomenon Jersey Shore became, mainly because all eight of them were such trash people.
1: Yeah, I mean Jersey Shore. Like I, like I didn't watch it, but I still remember the phenomenon of it. Like people, uh, you know, having like uh, I want to say, new episodes were on like Thursday, and this was when I was in college, and people would like it was like a thing. Like you'd go to like a house party and watch the new episode of Jersey Shore. Like it was, it was that it was like to that degree of people being into it.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly what we did. We used to have like we used to have entourage gathering parties on Sunday night, then go. Like downtown to the clubs. And then we used to do that also on Thursday for Jersey Shore.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it was, uh, it was a real, it was a real, real thing, which is like, I mean, you just can't even have that now in culture. Like the most successful TV show, like chances are you, you, the person you talk to at work has not seen it. I
2: mean, that's the succession problem, really, is that success, not that many people watch succession. It, it gets covered like it's Game of Thrones, but it has one tenth the audience.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just like uh, what this this show that Amazon did, The, the Rings of Power. Like, how many people watched that? I don't know. They spent a billion dollars it, 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 on it. It
2: looked really bad. And I hate Lord of the Rings anyway, so it, it was not for me.
1: Yeah. Uh. I mean, I li- I really like Lord of the Rings, and it wasn't really for me either. Then, which who, is, then who is it th- for? That's what's interesting, is who is it for? Because it's not really for... For people who've read the books, you know, for people who are really into the books because they're, they're just making shit up. They're, you know, putting words in, in J.R. Tolkien's mouth. And it's not really for people who don't like nerdy shit because it's still pretty nerdy. So I don't really know who this show was made for.
2: See, that at least with the Star Wars shows that you were talking about, it does seem like they're leaning into being somewhat fan service. And if that's, you know, in season three of Mandalorian, that's all you got left. At least you're still pumping out content. Like, I just watched season three of star trek picard which i think was probably its best season because they actually brian le-
1: brian said brian said this was like the best star trek of like the last 20 years he said it was like unbelievably good
2: it was really good although the, the cartoon lower decks is fucking hilarious is actually the best like star trek ip that's going but yeah this season of picard was awesome way better than the first two seasons but all it just did was just lean into nostalgia of 30 years ago that's it like if you didn't know these characters from 30 years ago, there's no chance you'd be watching the season.
1: I mean, yeah, but that's uh that's good like nostalgia nostalgia is like the number one driver of television viewership and movie viewership these days.
2: Oh, for sure, but that's what they leaned into. They're like they they tried to create like new stuff with Picard and new characters for the first two seasons. And it just didn't work. And I just don't think anyone watched it. So they brought everyone back from like Star Trek The Next Generation. Right. And they're, they're all old people now, but either way, but like they did great ratings for it because that is a subsect of people. And if things don't get viewership anyway, well, at least you know you can hook in viewership this way. Enough people will care about this to watch it. And that's good enough. At least, like you said, it was for someone, where this Lord of the Rings show doesn't seem to be for anyone.
1: Yeah, it 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 really like it's a real problem cuz cuz they're spending so much money on it and I don't think the show writers have any idea what to do with the reaction to the first season of their show cuz so much of it was overwhelmingly negative and they've kind of written themselves I don't I don't know what they're going to do. It's it's but and and now there's rumors that there's going to be like a Tolkien cinematic universe, you know, I don't know. It just it seems like it's going to be terrible.
2: Have you golfed yet this year?
1: I've played one round, I've been to the range a bunch though. I actually have a lesson tomorrow.
2: Oh, you're taking lessons now. I gotta say, it's it's helped me tremendously.
1: Yeah, I mean my issue is basically uh I I just I the swing that I learned is messing with my new swing. Um, like as I've gotten a better motion, like better flexibility. Uh, my old like hand movement is, is causing this is, I mean, this is very inside baseball, but my hands close so quick that all my shots go about 30 yards to the left. Like when I really pure it because, because I used to be so unflexible when I was swinging.
2: So. It's funny because that's when I readjusted my swing, that started happening to me. Because I used to have like the, the basically the chopping wood swing, and I had it for 20 years. Yep. I would just slice everything. Same. Just Everything was just yep. a pure slice. Driver, wedge, didn't matter what it was going to be. It was just going to go start out slightly to the left and hook into the right woods. And then once I started having my new swing, the same thing kind of happened to me where I'd be closing my hands through impact and everything was going, like, left. Like, it'd be going high, but it would just be drifting left. Like, not a complete hook, but left, left, left. And the guy that I was taking lessons with, he's like, that's actually a good thing. He's like, that means you're actually closer to a real swing than what you were doing before. It's like, we can work from left back to center. He's like, it's really hard to work from left to right back to center because everything you're doing is fundamentally wrong.
1: That's basically, so I took, I I had the first lesson two weeks ago, um... And he was basically like, so I, I, I took in two lessons with this guy last year. Then I got married and I went on my honeymoon and, and then football season started. So I just didn't really have the time and getting, uh, setting back up with him now. And obviously i I've, pre- I've played some since then and, and practiced some since then. And I, so I've got the, I've got the hip turn better shoulder turn better, uh, you know, keeping the left arm straight but i i've my hands are still doing the same thing that it was doing before so like i played this i played around uh 3 weekends ago or whatever and like half my tee shots were you know in the in the the woods out, out to the left which irons irons were okay but i'm just like losing crazy amounts of tee shots
2: yeah which sucks that that started happening that's why i ended up going to take lessons in the first place was like i'd be shooting like 97 with eight lost with like with eight ob balls it's like if i could just clean this up my scores would start being a lot better and that i started taking lessons halfway through like a year and a half ago and just like the rest of my season was a complete fucking write-off i was so bad after i changed my swing but then it got better last year and it's been better to start this year so you'll get there is that's all I'm saying? I went from being like a a 20 to 25 to like a 10 to 14. So I'm hoping to build on that this year, having something to like. If play, I could, having something to play for is also a lot better too. Like to get it's better, so nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've also noticed because I I like didn't swing really at all when it was really cold here in in the Midwest. Like I probably didn't swing for like two or three months, and coming back out, I was like my short game for someone who's bad at golf. Is like that's the part that I can kind of get around. Like I can set myself up for, you know, makeable par putts and stuff, even if I'm scrambling. And I just had like no feel, like just like sitting there with the club. Like, what did I used to do here? What am I like? I just kind of forgot everything.
2: Interesting stuff. All right. That's gonna do it for
1: at least the Pat Mayo
2: experience version of this. Do you have anything to add, take cast wise?
1: No, I didn't I didn't come to the table with uh with any with any topics for you. Um oh let's let's end let's end with this. Who is Pat Mayo's vote for who should be the next James Bond? I think we've we've discussed this before, but I don't think either of us have given a firm answer.
2: How old is Tom Hardy now?
1: He, see, that's the issue. Is he he's I want to say he's, he's, he's in he's
2: 45. He's a lot older than yeah, I thought. Yeah, and
1: it's it's the same, it's the same problem with Idris Elba, too, who would have been my vote, but he's got like maybe 10 years where he could pull it off now.
2: Idris Elba's even older than Tom Hardy, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's 50 chalamet as bond if you're gonna so i think if you're gonna do that if you're gonna go with a young guy i think you got to do tom holland i think i think uh and and holland would bring um he would bring some of the uh connery like lightheartedness and jokes and stuff back to it uh, as opposed to the daniel craig version who was so somber and so serious and i i actually i i'm curious your thought on this because we've had just dis- uh we disagreed on the ending of the Bond movies. Like I appreciated using James Bond to tell like a darker, more serious, more human story, but it, Bond at his best is like a cartoon character, kind of.
2: See, I, I'm with you on that. Like I, I do think like my favorite Bond movie is Goldfinger, which is I mean, the one that I've seen the most amount of times. I've seen the Connery ones, and I think a lot of it is where do you come into the Bond series? Like growing up, we used to have what is it like 21 days of Bond on TBS. Right. That just you they would all be on. Everything up until I don't think they had any of the Brosnan bonds, because it would have been late nineties. They wouldn't have had the rights to Goldeneye or Tomorrow Never Dies. So you got a lot of Connery, a lot of more. Uh you didn't you didn't really see on Her Majesty's Secret Service all that much. See, but, but that
1: one's great. No, that uh, one's great. It, it's
2: okay. Like it's not as good as Diamonds Are Forever or From Russia with Love or Goldfinger, the other movies that came out around it with Sean Connery.
1: I mean, I, I love the Bond movies, even the bad ones. You know, even Tomorrow Never Dies, which see, is like a truly see, terrible film. I'll I, still watch it if it's on. I don't like
2: the bad Roger Moore ones. Like, I just, they infuriate me. I, I, I just, I don't like Roger Moore as Bond, I think is what it boils down to. But, like, the bad ones are
1: really bad. I mean, I, I, Tomorrow Never Dies is the worst one, right?
2: Tomorrow Never Dies, the one that has, like, Malcolm McDowell as, like, the tech billionaire that the one with Yes, and or is that the one with Denise they, Richards as like the nuclear scientist?
1: Oh, the Denise Richards one is terrible. That's the next one. The Denise Richards one is I which I forget the the name of it even. Um yeah, I think Holland would be good though, right? He what? uh I think he'd be he'd be funny. He, he he's got the he's got the accent, you know, he, people don't even know that he has the accent cuz he's an American in Spider-Man, but he's got a a good uh I guess he's south British, not north British, so he'd have to change it a little bit.
2: Yeah, but what? Well, what? Connery's Scottish, so I don't think it really. Well, matters Bond, it.
1: Bond is Scottish. Bond is in the books. Bond is is a Scotsman.
2: What about Robert Pattinson?
1: Well, can you be can you be Batman and James Bond?
2: Why not? You can be anything these days. <sighs>
1: He would be so. Pattinson would just be a continuation of the Craig stuff, though. He would be. He would be brooding and serious. He
2: would be because I think he's been cast in a lot of those things. But I mean maybe he's not. Maybe it's just a good opportunity. I think that's how they want to make because when no one made Dark Knight, it kind of shifted that entire genre, and Bond fell into superhero category. And then you have these more serious serious action-packed, darker type superhero movies. But it's funny, the ones that it really seemed to hit. I mean, not that I go around watching a ton of superhero movies, but it did seem like Thor Ragnarok is kind of widely known and the Guardians of the Galaxy ones, where they're also funny that people seem to like those ones more.
1: Yes. So people did like I and I stopped I think I stopped watching the Marvel movies after Guardians of the Galaxy. That's my memory. Um there just was too many of them. And Yeah, like Chris Pratt is like a a hero, anti-hero, funny, joking guy. Like people responded to that. Uh, But I mean, look, the Batman, the Robert Pattinson one was not funny, was very dark, was was very intense, and people loved it. Batman's tough though, right? Like how can Batman be funny unless it's Adam West playing him? I mean, there are certainly some people, I think, who would like the campy version of Batman to return. But to me, the best Batman stories have been the Alan Moore style ones where he's just this dark, depressed, like, mental patient, basically.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the entire Batman story. just a crazy person.
1: Yeah. You know I have a Batman tattoo. Really? Yeah, I really do. I got it when I was 18. Is it on your ass? No, it's on my rib cage.
2: Oh. That seems like, ribcage seems like it would hurt for a tattoo.
1: Uh Yeah, I mean, look, it's I'm an old man now, so I, I barely remember, but I, I do remember it smarting quite a bit. I, I have a two on my ribcage, and they both, I think, hurt pretty bad.
2: Oh, you know who could be James Bond? Now that I think, I don't know how old he is, I guess. Did you watch White Lotus? Yes. So, the, the husband in White Lotus, not Aubrey Plaza. Oh, dude, in...
1: what is his name? He would be a good, he would be a good bond.
2: He, he just looks like you would think he's 38. Theo James. He's 38 years old. He's British.
1: Yes. Yes. There's oh, a, dude, I guy. think we just, we, we just changed this guy's life. He he just went from being like a TV actor, uh, to being James. Bond. I, I totally, I think he would be perfect, man. I don't he even know. He would be so good as Bond.
2: I don't even know what this guy is in other than White Lotus. I don't think I'd ever seen him in anything before
1: okay theo james let's see let's see if we recognize uh, underworld any, any stuff. I, I, I
2: did not check out underworld awakening or underworld blood wars so i was out on those
1: yeah i haven't seen oh he was in i haven't seen it he was in downton abbey i guess for one episode uh, it the time traveler's wife yeah, I, I haven't that. seen any of these T- didn't see that yeah
2: so I saw, yeah, oh, he's, oh, well, 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 he's in The Gentleman, which is coming up soon. That's uh, is that a Guy Ritchie movie? I would, yeah, it is a Guy Ritchie movie. Matthew McConaughey, Colin Farrell. G- oh my god, Jeremy Strong's in this. Good lord, Hugh Grant, Charlie Hunman, and this guy is in it. So, I mean, maybe that's- that you know, sounds good. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I, I,
1: yeah, I was gonna say that, that sounds good.
2: Uh, I, I watched, uh, well the gentleman came out in twenty nineteen. Apparently there's gonna be a gentleman two uh, that he is in that's coming out. But I did just watch the the Amazon Guy Ritchie movie with Jason Statham.
1: I, I don't I don't think I've ever seen a Guy Ritchie movie.
2: What? I guess yeah, Would you, I like you know, them? you're you're younger than me because they, they they hit hard when I was I was still in high school when Lockstock came out. And when Snatch came.
1: These are out. like these are these are like Jason Statham like
2: beat-em-up movies, right? No, 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 not at all. They were Jason's like because I, I went back and looked at it because Jason Statham's the star. Oh, I've of, seen I've seen the Sherlock Holmes movie. Well, that's that's yeah, okay. That's there's three of them. You go watch you can watch them in order. Like you watch Lockstock, you watch Snatch, then you watch Rock and Rolla. And like those are like they're just British crime movies. They're not like beat em up movies at all. Like Jason Statham's kind of like the opposite of the beat-em-up guy in these movies. They're just like British low-level I, I gangsters.
1: Mean, yeah, they're, they're, honestly, like, it sounds like something I'd be really into. They,
2: they are legit Tarantino rip-off movies from the late '90s.
1: Well, and I—I I mean, I love Tarantino, so Tarantino rip-offs are kind of right up my alley.
2: Yeah, like, and they're all funny, which helps.
1: That's—I mean—that's kind of the underrated thing about Tarantino movies: is that the, they're—they're funny, right? That—that's like, that's like what actually differentiates them from most other like action violence movies.
2: Yeah, and I would say that the that guy Richie is sort of like the British version of that but clearly he's just copying and pasting with a British cockney spin on it going through. But that's what I like. I mean, that that I think that's why you're going to like Succession when you finally watch it. It has that bad thing that the wire has where you kind of have to like slog through four or five episodes or like, I, I don't get why anyone likes this. And then it's like, Oh, okay. And then like, you're off and running, which is a real problem for some TV shows. At least HBO allows people to do that. But succession is fucking hilarious. Like it's a legitimate comedy.
1: Uh, I mean, like, which I enjoy. I, I will, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna promise you, but I will the next time, the next time my, my wife, my wife, uh, seems interested in watching something that's not Vanderpump rules I will I will propose succession make it your treadmill show
0: just, watch uh, it. just I read it on out. the tre-
1: I read on I read on the treadmill well, you
2: know what I mean I can't read so I can't do that so I don't like you <laughs> bragging about that but you know what's even it's easier a... than reading on the treadmill watching something
1: watching TV yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's the only time it's the only time I really get locked into reading like a lot of the times it's hard for me to like sit down and focus, but on the treadmill I can do it because I'm like the alternative to not focusing on this book is fucking running or incline walking. So I don't want to do that.
2: Yeah. I've been on the incline walking train lately too. It's easier, easier on my joints. Although I do have to get like a, to get like a max sweat going. I do need to like sprint a few times a week.
1: I do. I sprint. I sprint uh, two days a week, like 12 mile an hour sprints, but nice. I don't I don't do it for very long. But I do that just because to prove that I can still get my heart rate up.
2: Yeah. Although, you know, the, the older you get, the more the heart rate gets going. You're like, holy shit. And then you have to be like, am I having a heart attack? No, no, I just I don't do this as often anymore. Anyway, that'll do it. Pat Mayo experience. Take Cast. Subscribe to the Take Cast audio podcast if you haven't already. And for more Davis stuff about football, we did talk about football for like an hour. That helps. That's helpful to
1: people. Sure. We got, we got some football talk in there. Enough, enough to, to keep the people, uh, you know, we, uh, we uh, like Hansel and Gretel them. You know, we, we left some crumbs of football to get them to the James Bond talk.
2: I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's funny because the video viewers are going to hate it, but the audio listeners are really going to love it. That seems to be the split in my
1: audience. You know, give, give, uh, everyone can have a little bit of what they want, but you can't have everything you want all the time. It's not even good for you to get everything you want all the time.
2: I suppose that's true.
1: All right, dude. Thanks for being on. Beautiful. Thanks for having me, everyone.
2: We'll see you around. Yeah, no problem. Remember to smash the like button while you are here. Sub to Mayo Media Network and leave a good rating and review on the podcast. Not a bad one, where I will find you and I will get you get you to delete it or change it to a five-star review so might as well just make it a five-star review to begin with all right i'm pat mayo thanks for watching i'll see you next time
0: bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico it's and not or See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com/slash-investing-in-America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, "You Might Be Right," former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore